0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing. Bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. If you're enjoying my stories, please consider subscribing. You'd be supporting the show and sleeping better than ever with ad free listening and exclusive bonus episodes which are some of the snooziest of all. The link is in the show notes. Come, join me by the fireside and allow yourself to be transported to blissfully sunny Greece. When another letter from Clara's wonderfully wayward grandmother arrives, along with a mysterious pendant responsible for making generations of dreams come true, Clara learns that all you really need to make your dreams a reality is a little faith and a whole lot of imagination. Before we begin, here's a word from our valued sponsors that make this free content possible. In just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Just before we begin tonight's tale, let's take a moment to wind down and get settled in for the evening come to a comfortable position, wherever that might mean for you and your body, and allow your eyes to gently drift closed. Allow yourself to settle into the stillness of the evening, as your breath draws ever so effortlessly in through your nose, and out through your mouth. On your next deep breath, perhaps you find that you can almost feel the Grecian sun across your skin, sinking into your muscles and easing the tension bound up within you. Inhale once more. And as you exhale, allow the stress and strain from another long day. Drain from your body. Feel the sun's golden rays first settling upon the crown of your head and sinking into the muscles of your face. Let your features soften beneath that soothing heat. Let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth and allow your jaw to release. As the sun's rays settle upon your shoulders, feel them sinking deeper and deeper still into the soft cushions beneath you. Feel the golden warmth carrying across your core, unwinding the tension there as its luxurious heat settles into your muscles. Beneath the sun's golden rays, notice your legs growing longer and looser. And feel the soles of your feet opening out and relaxing for the first time all day. Now, if you're feeling ready, tonight's tale can begin. On a sunny afternoon in May, a young woman called Clara Wilde strolled through her garden with a small parcel in her hand. She settled herself on a bench beneath an apple tree, and took a moment to remember the pink blossom which had been abundant there only a few weeks ago. This was her first year living in the house, and the beautiful sight of the flowers had lifted her heart. Clara brought her attention back to the parcel, which the postman had delivered that day. She ran her hand over the brown paper, her fingers resting for a moment on the sender's name. Eliza Wilde, her dear grandmother, who was on her travels again and had promised to keep in touch. Taking a moment to enjoy the anticipation of what lay inside the package, Clara smiled to herself as a delicate floral perfume arose from the paper. Lily of the Valley, one of her grandmother's favorites. She carefully opened it to reveal a pale green box a folded letter lay on top of the box with Clara's name on it. She opened it and began to read. My darling Clara, Calimera from Athens, or if you're reading this at night time, then Kalispera. I'm imagining you in your beautiful garden on a warm evening, or perhaps you're cozy and snug inside your home while an early summer rain falls gently outside. I'm writing this letter in a cafe which has a spectacular view of the Acropolis. Do you remember how I brought you here, when you were eight years old? You weren't at all impressed with the Greek ruins, and kept wondering why everyone was making a fuss about a building which didn't even have a proper roof or windows. Anyway, before I get into my story about my first visit to Greece, let's talk about you. I'm pleased you made lots of friends in your new job, and why wouldn't you? You're amazing, and one of the kindest people I know, but perhaps I'm biased. I've heard about your intentions to go travelling this year, and how you haven't made any definite plans, despite having travel brochures coming out of your ears. Your mum's words not mine. Excuse me for being blunt, my darling girl, but what are you waiting for? The time is now. Never delay your dreams. Wonder and magic are waiting for you. I know it's scary taking off on your own, but the rewards are immense. You will make many friends along the way, some of whom will become lifelong friends. Which brings me neatly back to my first visit to Greece, and the woman I met there, Evangeline. As I listen to the chatter of the friendly locals around me on this beautiful afternoon, I am transported back to that day when I first arrived in Greece. As you know, I had been living and working in Paris for a few months, and having the time of my life. But one day, I met two young women by the banks of the River Seine. Seeing their battered backpacks resting on the ground at their sides, I assumed they were travelers and couldn't help myself from approaching them and starting up a conversation. For the life of me, I can't recall their names, but I can remember how exuberantly they spoke about the Greek islands. They told me how warm and welcoming the people were and the food was like nothing they'd ever tasted before. So glowing were their descriptions, that I knew I had to go there. It was with a heavy heart that I left my beloved Paris behind, but, Clara, sometimes you have to close the door behind you, so you can open the next one on your adventure. Well, I didn't close the door in Paris, because I've been back many times, so I suppose I left the door ajar, which doesn't sound as dramatic, but you know what I mean. I digress. Back to my story. I arrived in Athens a week after leaving Paris, and I had a handful of phrases which I hoped would get me by. However, those phrases went right out of my head the moment I arrived and stepped off the rickety bus which had brought me there. Everything seemed brighter, as though someone had turned up the colour settings a couple of notches. The air was fresh with unfamiliar yet delicious scents The blue sky looked endless, with not one cloud to spoil it. The people, oh, Clara, the people, so animated with each other and so noisy. Men slapping each other on the back and laughing uproariously. Women embracing each other and placing gentle kisses on each other's cheeks as if they hadn't seen them for years. It was the love they had for each other which stopped me in my tracks and broke me into a wide smile. I'd already made arrangements to work on an olive farm in exchange for lodgings. I spoke to a friend of a friend, so I wasn't entirely sure of the farmer's name and the exact arrangement. When I arrived at the farm, I was met by an older woman wearing a long black dress. She didn't look at all pleased to see me, and broke into furious-sounding Greek. I thought I had the wrong place, but then five young men, the size of mountains, arrived on the scene and began to translate for me. The woman was Evangeline and she was the mother of the men. They were concerned she was doing too much on the farm, and said she needed help. Evangeline strongly disagreed, and said she didn't need any assistance from anyone. She looked me over, and said I didn't even look as if I could handle a hard day's work. Well. That was like a red rag to a bull. I asked one of the sons to tell his mother I would clean the farmhouse from top to bottom and do any work on the farm for free. If she didn't like my work, then I would leave. Her response was a curt nod, accompanied by tightly folded arms. I spent the rest of the day sweeping, washing, scrubbing, and anything else I could find to do, all under the watchful eye of Evangeline. When I'd finished cleaning everything I could, I made my tired way to the kitchen, and found Evangeline had prepared a meal for me. She took the broom from my hand, and took me over to the kitchen table. The meal consisted of bread and a pale liquid, which I soon discovered was olive oil. It was a simple meal, but it was utterly delicious. The kind smile on Evangeline's face almost brought me to tears. We shared our first meal, and a sense of peace came over me as we smiled at each other. You know how sometimes you meet someone and it feels as if you've known them from another life? That was how I felt with Evangeline. Later on, through her son's translation, she asked me to stay. She could only pay in food and my lodgings would be free. I thought it was an excellent deal. She settled me into a cozy bedroom, and that was the first day of many months spent on the olive farm. Even though my days were full of chores, it was a satisfying kind of work which brought joy to my heart. Evangeline insisted on doing some of the work, but in my subtle ways. I made sure I did the majority. I was determined to learn her language, and the easiest way was for me to draw items and then ask Evangeline to write the Greek word underneath it. I would repeat it until I got the pronunciation right. At Evangeline's insistence, I wrote the English word too so that she could learn a bit of my language. We shared a happy existence as we worked, and when my Greek was good enough, I asked Evangeline more about her life and the olive farm. That's when she told me her secret. I remember that day well, She made a picnic, and took me to a small hill which overlooked the farm. We sat down in the shade of a tree, and she told me how she'd known her late husband, Hector, since they were children. They always knew they'd be together. It was their dream to get married and to own an olive farm, but they didn't know how it was going to happen. Evangeline pulled a necklace free from beneath her dress, a small, heart-shaped pendant hanging from a delicate gold chain. It had been passed down to her from her grandmother, who had called it the heart of dreams. Evangeline explained that every time she wanted a dream to come true, she would close her eyes, and hold the heart-shaped pendant gently. She would imagine her dream becoming a reality and how that would feel. She must have noticed my dubious expression because she said she'd felt the same at first and then she told me a story. I'll do my best to recall it correctly. These are her words. Hector and I had been married a few years. We were busy with one thing and another, and our dream of an olive farm seemed to get farther and farther away with each passing day. I could feel it vanishing. I remembered what my grandmother had told me about the pendant, and how holding it whilst thinking about my dream would make it happen. As much as I loved her, I couldn't bring myself to believe her words. But the day came when Hector brought me here for a picnic, just like the one we are having now, and as I looked over the empty fields in front of us, something stirred in my heart. It was my olive farm dream. It was as though it was giving me a nudge. I remembered my grandmother's words and thought I had nothing to lose by giving it a go. So I grabbed Hector's hand and pulled him down the hill. I held the pendant in my hand and confidently declared our farm was going to be in this very spot. Hector just smiled and nodded. I could tell he didn't believe me. So, I went into further detail. I told him we were in the kitchen area, and our table would go right in the middle, opposite a back door, and on sunny days, we would look out and see our lines of healthy olive trees. I described where the sink would be, and the dresser with our plates. I told him we would have huge windows to let the sunlight stream in. Hector soon got caught up in my enthusiasm and played along. He gathered some stones and marked out our farmhouse. We walked around the fields and decided on the best spots for our trees. We talked about the changing seasons, and how the delicate blossoms on the trees would fall away to reveal the buds of fruit to come. We pictured the white nets being laid beneath the trees at harvest time, ready to catch the plump olives as they tumbled from the trees. Seeing houses not far away, I said we would have neighbors and friends. And, when the time came to harvest our olives, they wouldn't hesitate to help us. Hector agreed wholeheartedly and said we would return their kindness by giving them gifts of our freshly pressed olive oil, a product which would be of the highest quality. Holding hands, we walked back to our kitchen area and sat on the grass. We imagined sitting at the table at the end of a working day, seeing the sun set over the tops of our trees, and enjoying a delicious meal of home-cooked musaka. I also imagined five strapping sons coming in from the fields, but I kept that thought to myself. We talked about our farm and future home for hours, until the moon appeared. At every opportunity over the month, we would go back to those empty fields and talk once more about our dream. The more we talked about it, the more real it became. Then things began to happen. The owner of the land had noticed our recent visits and asked what we were doing. When we explained, he offered to sell us the land at a price we could afford. Some people who lived nearby heard of our plans, too, and gave us free clippings of their olive trees. We were so touched by their kindness. With one thing and another. It wasn't long before our dream became a reality, and all because we believed we could make it happen. Evangeline finished her tale. I thought it was a lovely story, but if I'm honest, I didn't believe dreams could come true that easily. The weeks at the olive farm turned into gloriously long months, I was having the time of my life. Not only did I feel like a member of Evangeline's family, but I had also made friends with the neighbors. We had many celebrations, including the amazing party after the olives had been harvested, a party which went on for days. During my time at the farm, there was something which would stop me in my work. A local man called Kiros owned a small aeroplane which flew over the farm a few times every week. He delivered goods to some of the smaller islands and the mainland too. The sound of that approaching plane felt like it was calling me, and seeing it flying overhead caused me to go into a trance as I gazed at the sky. Of course, the eagle-eyed Evangeline noticed and asked me what I was thinking. I said I'd love to fly in the little plane, but it was a ridiculous idea. Well, she took her heart-shaped necklace off and pressed it into my hand. She said if the dream was in my heart, then it was meant to come true. I could borrow the necklace, and I should think about flying in the plane every time I held it. There was such conviction in her eyes that I couldn't say no. So I imagined myself in that plane, climbing into the seat and buckling the belt. The low roar of the engine as it came to life, the slow movement along the ground, before gradually increasing in speed. The moment when it left the ground and began to ascend towards the skies. Up and up, seeing the rush of fluffy clouds coming closer, feeling the rush of wind through my hair. I imagined the land below me getting smaller and being able to see the farms and fields in the distance tops of trees moving gently in the breeze, the sandy coves around the island, and the turquoise water lapping at their shores, the wide open sea with a few boats bobbing along. The whole world stretched out in front of me, feeling I could go anywhere at all. I imagined every detail and found myself lost in the daydream. Well, the plane landed on the farm now and again, and Kiros would get out to stretch his legs. I like to think the best of everyone, but that man was the grumpiest person I'd ever met. Even his big, bushy eyebrows looked as though they were ready to start an argument. But that didn't put me off. Every time Kiros landed, I would be there to offer him food and drink, which he begrudgingly accepted. I asked if I could fly in his plane. I got a sharp no every time. But I didn't stop asking, politely, of course, and I didn't stop holding on to the pendant and imagining my dream coming true. It took three months of this before Kiros finally gave in and allowed me a brief flight in his plane. Oh, Clara, it was better than I had imagined. I felt as free as a bird as we flew over the islands and the zero sea. But that one flight wasn't enough. I wanted to learn how to fly the plane. I asked Kiros if he would teach me. I fully expected a no, but he stared at me for the longest time, and then said, yes. I was so eager that it didn't take long for me to learn how to fly the plane, and it didn't take long before Kiros said I could fly it on my own. I was allowed to take a passenger, I asked Evangeline to fly with me. I half expected her to say no, but she didn't. She flung her apron off and raced towards the plane like a woman half her age. We were soon airborne. Our hearts soared as high as the plane that sunny day in Greece. Over the farm we flew, past neighbors' houses waving at them as we went It was a magical day. Evangeline insisted I keep the necklace. She said her dreams had come true, and she was content with life. She claimed she could see in my eyes that I had many dreams yet to fulfill. I tried to say no, but she insisted. I would have stayed at the Olive Farm forever but my kind friend told me it was time to go, because my adventures were waiting for me. We stayed in touch, and I returned to the Olive Farm many times. Clara, it's time for you to open the parcel. Can you guess what's inside yet? Until we speak again, darling, your loving grandmother... Clara put the letter to one side. She unwrapped the parcel. Inside, she found a well-worn notebook. She opened it to see many drawings of household items. Each had two words beneath it, one in Greek and the other in English. Clara flicked through the pages and saw many more images including some of plain components. She'd look through the book later because there was something wrapped in pink paper nestling in the package. It was the heart-shaped pendant. Clara held it in her hands, closed her eyes, and thought about all the dreams she had could they possibly come true so easily? A postcard was at the bottom of the parcel. It had an image of olive trees beneath a vibrant blue sky. Clara turned the card over and read the words. My darling Clara, use this pendant to make your dreams a reality. It works, if you believe. May your dreams be as big as my love for you. My love to you. Always. Grandmother.